Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the First Gear Podcast. My name is Eric. I am one of your co-hosts, and I'm here with my buddy Tanner. What's going on, Tanner? Hey, man. How you doing? Uh, pretty good, now that we've got this uh, squared away again. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get this figured out eventually. You just got to give us a little bit of time. Yeah. Well, this time it was 100% on me because I decided to change the uh, room that I was recording in, and it doesn't have a hard wire to the internet, so it was uh, creating some technical glitches and difficulties throughout the whole like process, and it was not good. So, No, everything sounds good and looks good now, so we're ready to roll, man. Heck yeah. So, man, I we've got so much to talk about this week. So if you didn't watch any of the Xfinity Cup Series race or anything, there was an epic amount of just shit happening, for like a better term. Like, what all happened in the Xfinity race got overshadowed by what happened in the Cup race, but it's still, like, there's a lot of different topics to talk about. So um, I'm just going to lead it off. Like, I don't want to get hit by Austin Hill. I'm just going to say that right now. <laughs> if you... uh if you go back and watch the NBC uh, broadcast for it, um, they have a little clip, if you guys didn't get to see it, of Austin Hill just completely decking Myatt Snyder, um, two drivers in the Xfinity Series on Saturday. And when you sit, when I say clocked, I mean, he got rocked. It was not good. No, that is a very big boy. That was <laughs> his uh, fuse was very short. <laughs> right. Well, they said a little bit about what was going on because I didn't see them get into anything during the race. I, I was like, I don't, I don't know what in the world they were doing. But um, evidently, Myatt Snyder was taking a little bit of a weird line through the center of the corner. And so he was like arcing back down through the center of the corners. And Austin Hill was trying to get around him or vice versa. And whenever one of them came back down, they ended up wrecking the other car. So turned the other guy around and it was my Snyder that I guess got turned around and he was not happy about it. So after the race, he walks up to Austin Hill's car and just starts bad mouthing the shit out of him. And he, Austin Hill evidently asked him twice. I'm asking you to walk away from the car and he didn't listen. So the third time he got whacked. <laughs> <laughs> he got whacked. All right, man, <laughs> man, he dropped him like a bad habit. That was amazing. I've never seen a driver get hit so hard. He got hit hard enough that he actually took flight for like five feet. It was bad. He got knocked out of camera view. Like they had the camera panned out a little bit so that you could see that. And he just went straight out of camera view. It was crazy. Yeah, that is uh that's a whole lot of body weight coming at you. And he found out in a hurry. <laughs> it's that whole new F around and find out. Well, he hit 10 and 10 on both. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, it was, it was crazy because they really didn't catch any of it on the broadcast of what happened on track. I mean, this is all no. after the fact where anybody even found out what happened. All they saw was a video of my insider in his face. And the next thing you know, he's on the ground <laughs> and Austin Hill jumped on top of him afterwards. So yeah, he did the country boy thing, man. Yes, he did. I'm out, and then he got on top of him. He was going to kick the shit out of him. Like, I don't know what Myatt was saying to him, but it was not good. And he just got clocked. He should have gone to concussion protocol afterwards. He got hit that hard. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he probably saw his life flash before his eyes on that one. But <laughs> but I'm sure 
heat of the moment and tempers are already flaring at Martinsville because it's short track and any short track in the country. Yeah. I mean, it don't take much for people to get heated. No. Well, it's 250 laps of just people racing hard. And in the Xfinity series, especially, they're 110% every single lap because they have to be. Their races are short enough that if you're not trying to get track position, if you're not trying to move forward, you're not going to have a shot. You're not even going to have a top 10 finish. Like, you got to get going as soon as the green flag drops and there's no room for screwing around. So if, he, if one of them was holding up the other, if that was a, you know, what caused the altercation, I guess that's what happens in that kind of scenario. It happens at Bristol. It happens at Martinsville, Richmond, sometimes Darlington, just places where it's kind of tough to pass. And he just got, he just got rocked. That's all that happened. <laughs> yeah. Long story short, he got rocked. Uh, if you guys, so if you guys are listening and you haven't seen it, you got to go watch the clip because it looks like something out of a movie. I've never seen, like I said earlier, I have never seen a race car driver get hit that hard before. Well, I think Austin's height advantage probably helped. I mean, his when he reaches out to punch somebody, he's pretty much over top of everyone else already, anyway. So, <laughs> Dude, he's he's a big old country boy. I'm not messing with him. There's a handful of drivers that I'm just not messing with, and he's on that list. Yep, and he just proved it. Right? <laughs> that got overshadowed, and nobody even knew it happened because of the ex- the end of the Xfinity race and what happened. Like, I didn't hear about it till 24 hours after before the cup race. They happened to show it on NBC, and I was like, huh, yesterday. Yeah, I mean, he, uh, well, when they interviewed Austin, I mean, he pretty much said, he's like, I asked him to leave. Right? <laughs> And if you don't, I know nobody's messing with him anymore. They're going to walk up to him talking shit because they're just going to get clocked. Nope. And when Austin gets to the Cup Series, I bet those guys are going to think a little different about tangling with him. But <laughs> Hey, he, he reminds me a lot of Ryan Newman, just taller. Like, I wouldn't have gone and messed with Ryan Newman after a race. It's one of the guys, like I said, you just, I'm going to stay away from that. I don't trust, I don't want to mess with it. Yeah, they always said Ryan Newman was built like a middle linebacker. Well, I think Austin Hill's built like a defensive lineman. Facts. <laughs> he's big, he's a big boy. He's like 6'2", six, 6'3". Six, he's not typical race car driver size, like 240 pounds-ish. He's a big old boy. Yes, he is. But, dude, <laughs> I'm just going to ask you because I have a lot. That, this whole Xfinity series, the end of the race, is going to be a lot to unpack. So, Ty Gibbs ended up winning the race um, through a series of events that personally I don't agree with at all. He ended up wrecking his teammate and all sorts of other stuff. I know I have a lot to say, but I wanted your uh, race car driver perspective on it. How did you feel about the end of the Xfinity race? So it was obviously very action packed, but like we talked about a couple weeks ago with uh, Kyle Larson and Bubba Wallace saying, I mentioned the big picture. Well, Ty should have, looked big picture there and realized that hey man you're already locked in to phoenix and Mm -hmm. your teammate is literally fighting like he has to win this race to be locked in and i understand racing aggressive wanting to win the race and going into the corner and maybe moving him out of the way to win the race but he didn't move him out of the way like he completely smacked him i mean it completely ended his day he came in way too hot and i don't think it was completely intentional but i mean he 
when Ty came out at turn four, like he was up against the wall. And when he got around, I think it was a lap car or something. I don't remember exactly. But he like, as soon as he cleared that car, he shot down the straightaway to like dive bomb in on the bottom into turn one. And I mean, he didn't even slow up at all. Which Brandon Jones, he did slow up his corner a little bit because he knew he kind of had to block because he knew Ty was coming in hot, but he didn't realize that he was going to get completely taken out, which being your teammate when you're already locked in, I mean, the big picture there, like that would be two Joe Gibbs racing cars in the final four. Like that makes your company look very good if you have more than one car in the final four. And when it was right there, it would be different if they're mid pack or something. Yep. But you're the front two cars. You can't do that. No. And I don't, I have a lot of problems with it. Like what he did. And they talked about it on DBC, Dell Junior Download. Basically, everybody that has a microphone has talked about it. Kind of like with, Kyle Larson and Bubba Wallace. It's just an ugly ordeal that happened between those two guys. Like evidently Ty had been racing him hard for that entire restart sequence. So a couple restarts before like five laps to go or something, he was, um, he bumped him up the racetrack and he almost got him there, like got him to go around and Brandon Jones coming to the white flag, got underneath him. They were going three wide, uh, coming out of three and four, going on the front straightaway, Brandon Jones pulled out to a small lead in front of them. And just this is just the way that I see it. I, I I don't know. It didn't look to me like Ty even attempted to make the corner. Like, I know that Brandon Jones is backing up the corner a little bit, but it didn't look like Ty was attempting to make the corner. He just he hit him with so much force that it buckled the nose on the car like. Yeah, those things are composite body cars. That takes a lot of force to do that. There was a lot of difference in speed there that would it that would take to make that happen. And for the car hood to get buckled a little bit, and then for the front nose to be dented in the way that it was, I don't know. To me, it didn't look like he tried to make the corner. And then he just, I don't know. He was rubbing salt in the wound, in my opinion. Afterwards, uh, doing if you didn't mean to do something, like you're not going to celebrate that hard after a win, I understand going for wins. and like, that's the most important thing is, you know, everybody wants to win a race. Like, I don't know if I would do anything different behind the wheel of a race car trying to go for a win, but I would try to do the old fashioned, like Jeff Gordon bump and run on somebody before I just like punt them into the freaking fence. Like you just don't do that, especially to a teammate that's trying to make the playoffs. And now you're one against three. He's going to be the lone Toyota against three junior motorsport Chevrolets who are all very, very strong cars and who are all really, really good at that racetrack. At least if you don't bump your teammate out of the way, it's a 50, 50 shot, like whoever wins. Now it's, you know, you got 25% chance to win the race. And I don't know. He, that boy needs to like get some, he just needs to get some help in my opinion. Like he needs to have somebody that's going to help him clear his thoughts a little bit before he's making these big boy decisions. He's had a lot of run-ins this year. I don't feel like any of his wins that he's gotten this year have been completely clean. If that makes sense, there's always some kind of drama that's attached to it. And you just need to go out and do your thing, man. You don't got to be the, you know, the big guy out on the racetrack and go bump everybody out of the way for wins. You're not Dale Earnhardt. You're not anybody yet. You could be someday, but you got to get there first. 
And that's the problem I have. And then he compared himself to Jesus or something after the race. It was really weird. But he gets out of the car and the first thing he says, well, Jesus was hated too. Bring it on. Like just telling the fans to boom. And I'm like, yeah, you just NASCAR fans are kind of religious. It's not the smartest thing to say after a race, but you do you, man. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that I didn't like about that. But yeah, the whole super aggressive celebration afterwards i mean that's a big slap to the face i mean he did like a massive burnout he got out and he was like taunting the crowd waving his hands and everything and i'm just like man that just looks horrible right that looks horrible to your teammate and to the whole company but then again going to phoenix that could be interesting because all the jrm guys they are all siding with brandon jones yeah like Noah, Noah Gregson was very vocal in his post-race interview. Like <laughs> yeah. he's like, yeah, he would, uh, if that was me in Brandon's situation, he said he would definitely not be in victory lane, taking a picture with a grandfather clock right now. Uh, no, me either. Like I was just thinking, uh, if I was in Brandon Jones's shoes after the race, that guy has a lot of poise in those kind of situations. Cause I don't think it's the first time that Ty has like, ruffled his feathers for a win this year even or something like that like if it was me personally i would have gotten out and had at least words with him after the race i don't know if i would have hit him or not but like that just it you're my teammate man that's not cool you just that's rubbing me the wrong way i don't care if you bump me out of the way like what brandon jones was saying he was cool with that he was like i just wanted to race him i wanted to have a shot not just get punted into the wall yeah and that's something Ty's going to have to figure out going forward. Like, yes, you can be aggressive, but you got to learn that fine line between deliberately punting someone into the wall and ending their day and just slightly nudging them or getting them just a little loose to where they wiggle and wash up the track and open the door for you. That's a little bit more understandable. Now, if he would have done that and won the race that way, I don't think Mm -hmm. there wouldn't even be talked about. It would just be normal. No, it's, it's short track racing at that point. Like what we talked about last week. If you're just, if it's going for the win, you bump them up the track a little bit. You guys get into each other, rubbing fenders and stuff. That's just racing, man. Like that's expected at short tracks, Richmond, Bristol, Martinsville, places like that. Hell, Jimmy and Jeff Gordon have beat the fenders off of each other before, but they never spun each other out. Like, and those were teammates, and they were racing hard for the win. They congratulated each other after that win. I remember that very vividly. Like, and then in the um, in the cup race, uh, Christopher Bell, like he had to move. Um, I think it was Chase Briscoe yes. out of the way to win the race, and he didn't wreck him. Like, and they're hitting each other pretty hard too because those cars don't move. We'll get into that later, but it's much harder to move the cup cars than it is the Xfinity Series cars. And I was just, it's a bad look and he's just got a lot to think about. I know that he's coach Gibbs's grandson and everything, but that makes it worse in my opinion. Like it gets, you're getting showed favoritism at that point, because if he doesn't get in trouble for any of the stuff that he's doing, I'm not saying that he is or isn't, but from the outside looking in, it doesn't look like he gets, you know, scolded or in trouble or whatever. Cause he just keeps doing the stuff. Like this isn't the first time. He's almost he's pushed cars into he's pushed himself into other cars on pit road in the cup series. He's wrecked people earlier this year. He's, you know, gotten in fist fights with Sam Mayer. Like the dude is a hothead and he needs to chill out. 
Yeah, and I just I don't I don't know. He just he's really <laughs> got to get it cleaned up because, like we talked about a couple weeks ago too, like he doesn't. He just says, "Yeah, I'm sorry. I'll learn from it." Mm-hmm. Well, you clearly haven't learned from it because you're still doing the dumb stuff that you were doing earlier in the year. And it's yep. not like it's just been a couple instances where it was just something stupid, like he completely wiped someone out, like the pit road deal and the deal with yeah. Sam Mayer. And then this, it's just, he's making too many bad moves. And like you said, I don't think he's getting the consequences that he should to actually make him learn from it. No. And the other thing too, like, you know you did somebody dirty whenever their post-race interview revolves more around the team they'll be racing for the next season than it does the team they currently race for. <laughs> like Brandon yeah. Jones, as soon as he gets out of the car, he's like, man, I'm ready to go to JRM. I don't even want to be here anymore. Basically, in a nutshell is what he said. I'm ready to go where the drivers respect you and you're going to get treated fairly. And, you know, not necessarily, it had nothing to do with the equipment. He was just ready to rock and roll. There's going to be five JRM cars on the track this weekend at Phoenix because he ain't going to help his teammate. There's no way. Like, if anything, he, like, I'd be surprised if Ty Gibbs finishes the race, to be honest with you, because of all of the people that he has roughed up this year. The time to, like, you know, make it hard to pass, the time to make it hard on him to do anything is going to be this weekend. And there's a lot of, uh, Steve Letarte saying the same thing on Dell Jr. Download. The door bumper clear guys were saying kind of the same thing. Like they, they're going to be amazed if he finishes the race or at least if he does finish, he's not going to win the championship just because of everybody. It's going to make life so hard on him throughout the race just to get back. Like, so what happens when you literally tick off everybody in the series you're racing in? Yeah. And the thing I'm going to be curious to see is like, <laughs> what's he going to do when those guys are roughing him up, making it difficult on him because everybody's unhappy with him? Yeah. Well, normal Ty Gibbs, the way he's been, I think his temper is going to get the best of him and it's going to, I could see something, something bad happening. A hundred percent. Yes. I think if people start roughing him up, I think it's going to take one or two times. It's going to get ugly real fast. And He's going to wind up either punting somebody in the wall and then they're going to get him back or something crazy is going to, there's going to be a lot of drama surrounding him next week. If he doesn't get his act together by Saturday. Yeah. I just, but yeah, the whole victory lane, the post-race interview, I just, man, everything about that just rubs everybody the wrong way. Cause I know I heard something somewhere this week i don't know if it was something on social media or another podcast or something but they brought up like when uh i think it was when larson won at watkins Glen earlier this year i think Mm -hmm. that's where he he moved chase elliott to win like kyle didn't even really celebrate after that because he just kind (laughs) of took a win away well he did take a win away from his teammate but he was just like yeah i didn't really mean to do that and he didn't put on a big show and he just pulled up there, did his interview and went on about his day. Yeah. He got the W felt bad about the W didn't do anything after the race. Didn't celebrate, didn't do nothing. The first thing he did in the post-race interview was like, yeah, I wish I would have raced him a little bit cleaner and stuff. I just feel bad for the 19. They work really hard and stuff like that. And that's real like remorse for actions that you did on the racetrack. 
what we saw Saturday was, I, in my opinion, just a kid that doesn't know what he's getting himself into, just doing, just not thinking. Like he has no self awareness whatsoever. He's not using his head. He's not thinking ahead at all. He's not thinking about, well, how's this going to affect my chances with my team next season? Or like if he gets in with the 18 team next year, how's Denny, Martin Truex, and Christopher Bell going to feel about racing with him next year. Like right. all that stuff ties together. And especially if he starts roughing up the 45 or the 23 or something like that, because those are Denny's cars, like that's more drama within the team. And it's all Toyota teams too. So like he just, there's no, absolutely no self-awareness whatsoever. I don't know if it's a maturity thing. I don't know if it's just, he's hot headed. He's used to winning all the time. He gets frustrated if he doesn't win, because he's done this in the ARC series too. It's nothing new. He wrecked mm-hmm. Corey Heim more times than I can count. Like, and I'm not talking just like bumped him. I'm talking sent him into the wall more times than I can count in the ARCA series. I don't know how he was and stuff underneath that because I'd never seen him before ARCA, but I don't know. He just needs to they need to have some serious talks this offseason and get his head straight if he's gonna get to cup and get in the 18 car because he's just going to get sent in the wall like they ain't going to put up with that they'll just punt him into the wall right and that's something i've seen throughout my whole career i mean i've been racing a long time i've raced a lot of different things i've seen a lot of different things but there has i've seen this same situation before to where you see someone who has been in the best equipment all the time they've never mm-hmm. been in anything less and they're used to winning all the time and they just they act like they they're invincible and they can get away with everything. And there seems to be no repercussions of it. And I heard something, I think it was on race hub a while ago. It might've been after the pit road deal. Mm -hmm. And I, I could be completely wrong on this because I don't remember exactly who it was because they have different hosts almost every day on there, but they did say something about how teenagers shouldn't be in the top level of motorsports, and I don't want to get a bunch of hate for saying this, but <laughs> it's very possible. But it's it's how I feel because I've I've experienced it. Like I I didn't experience it so much racing the local dirt track stuff, but when we started running the national midget stuff, I noticed it a lot. And there is a reason that there's an age limit to get into certain series. Like to race with the USAC midgets, you have to be. I think it's I think it's sixteen. Yeah. I personally I think, think it is it, too. I personally think it should be eighteen at the least. But my thing is when you let no nothing against any of these younger drivers, they're there for a reason because they're very talented. But the maturity level isn't there a good majority of the time. Because right. they've kind of, a lot of them have just grown up in the best equipment all the time. And the money really doesn't seem to ever be a huge issue. So it kind of brings back that being invincible mentality. And it just, I don't know. I think you need to cut your teeth more in a lower series and really earn your way and earn the respect of the other drivers before you're in the top of them of motorsports. Like, Ty Gibbs, he's a very talented driver. He's proven that. He's won right. in everything. But to be I don't think he should be running in the Cup Series yet just because I don't think his maturity level is there yet. 
And I'm not saying no. he's an immature little kid or anything like that. I'm just saying he just has not matured enough to earn the respect of all the other drivers, I don't think. And that's something I see in all the series. And it's kind of an issue in ARCA, too. Mm-hmm. There's a... Because ARCA, you can start running ARCA, I think, when you're like 15 or something. It's crazy. And yeah. that just, that seems to be way too young of a limit. Like, I personally, I would I'd be okay if you had to be over 21 to be in any of the national series in NASCAR, to be completely honest, because that lets you get out of high school, get into the right. real world, learn how the world works, start just growing up and uh, starting to mature, so... I don't think the age limit thing's ever going to happen just because these, a lot of these younger drivers are able to bring the money in. But I think from a respect and a maturity standpoint, there should be, there should be something you should have to earn your way in. Right. Or maybe, I don't know if this is even possible or something that you could do, maybe pass some kind of a maturity level test that probably sounded really dumb, but just, Something that would prove that you're in stressful situations or like whenever you're under duress that you're not going to freak out and just like punt people into walls and just rage out and do stupid stuff because it's it's very dangerous. Like if he does that in a hypothetically speaking next year, if he punts somebody into the wall and they back in and we don't have this issue figured out with the um, next gen car, that's concussion with somebody like there's serious ramifications for that. If he nudges Ty Dillon anymore on pit road, 17's pit crews wiped out. Like you can't do that crap at all. And there's just, it's not just one. If it was just one thing, I just blow it off. Be like, yeah, whatever. He just lost his mind for a couple minutes. He's fine. Like whatever. But it's repeated offenses of doing stupid crap. Whenever you're irritated or PO'd or whatever you want to call it, that I have the issue with. And to your point, whenever you're, you know, 15, 16, 17 in your teens and stuff. Um, the male frontal cortex does not develop fully until you're 24 years old. So that's what controls a lot of our emotions as males and everything else. We mature slower than females do. So it takes till we're about 24 years old for our brains to fully mature according to, you know, data and stuff that I've been told. So that's what could very well be some of the issue why a lot of these younger guys are just losing their minds and just kind of, you know, shoving people into the walls. Like, I don't know what it was. I don't know what it was like in the nineties whenever Gordon started, you know, this new trend of younger drivers, but I don't remember it being like this up until the past, like three, four years, something like that is I've been seeing more and more of it in Arca truck and Xfinity, like just people, blasting past each other blasting into each other for no reason or getting in fights after the races and just a bunch of nonsense for the most part right and i don't want to sound like a hypocrite or anything because i started racing dirt modifieds when i was 12 years old but it was at a local level it wasn't yeah. a national level or anything like that but i never <laughs> i did, i was never raised that way like if i even started to get a little bit ahead of my shoulder or something my dad would put me in check real quick like hey this this isn't happening you need to right. like cool it and but the the drivers just seem to be getting younger and younger and i just i don't know i've seen it in so many different series to where they just the respect just isn't there i mean you're going into the highest level of motorsports you're supposed to be a professional like they are professional athletes 
you're right. not going to throw a middle schooler out there in the NFL. Like, that's just not going <laughs> to no. happen. You're not going to put a high schooler in the NFL. Like, you got to go through the phases of growing up and experiencing the real world and maturing and just becoming an adult. Because if you're going to be in the highest level of motorsports, you got to be a professional, man. You have to. Right. And that makes total sense. And I completely agree with that. It's kind of like, it's why they don't, it's why they have age limits like in the NFL, in the NBA, name your sport, whatever, to at least the end of high school. Like you got to be at least 18 before you can start trying at the professional level. If you're good enough, sure, you can make it at 18, whatever. But if you're not, you need to start working your way up through like the MOB, through the minor league series and stuff like that. Like with NASCAR, it would be the Canon West series. It would be the cars tour. It would be stuff like that. And then get into ARCA and then get into truck and move your way forward from there. I don't know. It opens up a whole, he's opening up a whole can of worms doing all this stuff. And I know it's just one guy and it only, t- it only takes one, like what we learned in school, man, to kind of make people question everything and ruin it for everybody else. I'm just hoping that he doesn't do that. Cause there's a lot of guys that are, you know, pretty young that are fighting their way up through the ranks right now with the hopes of being in the truck or Xfinity series in the next couple years. And he may wind up making a rule because he's just being a dumb dumb. I just hope that doesn't happen for those guys. Right. But, uh, he just needs something. He needs an incident to happen. That's going to humble him real quick. Because he's clocked like what Maya Snyder did. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, he's got a huge target on his back. He's Joe Gibbs' grandson. So, I mean, it was no different than when the Dillon brothers came in. I mean, they facts, they have, they have the same thing. They just, uh, I don't know. I, uh, I wouldn't want to have that kind of attention on me for it being like, oh, well, you're only here because of your grandpa. Well, I would. I would much rather be in the situation, be like, no, I earned my way here. I had to work right. for it. It wasn't just given to me, but sometimes the way they drive, they don't act like that. But Facts. Well, just take it in perspective. Pull all the drama, all the nonsense out of this race season in the Xfinity series. The kid's killed it. Like, he's done amazing. It's won, yes. what, four or five races, something like that. He's in the final four in his this is his first official full-time season in the Xfinity series. And he's taking away all these positive points he's, he's slaying it. Like he won what eight, nine races last year in Arca completely dominant him and Corey Heim dominated the Arca series mm-hmm. last year. He wins a ton of races. He's fast. And a lot of the guys, myself included, get upset with people that do that kind of stuff. Not because I want to pick on him or, you know, anything like that. It's because I'm like, man, you're doing so good stop screwing it up like we would be talking about so many positive points right now you're the youngest kid you know doing so well in the xfinity series you're killing it right now just stop with the nonsense and nobody can say anything because his stats back up his talent he just does a lot of other things that get people talking in other directions and it's like it distracts you from the point that like yeah he's super young He's in the 54 car. Sure, it's the fastest car out on the track almost every single week, but he still has to do the thing. Right. He's still got to go perform. It's just no different than when Kyle Busch was driving that car. He still has to go perform. The talent is there. Just stop doing the stupid stuff. I mean, look at Noah. He he lost his temper there at, where was it, Road America? Is that where it was? Uh, It was one of the road courses, yeah. 
well, yeah, I mean, he completely wiped that guy out on a straightaway. Well, you haven't seen Noah do anything dumb like that since. No, but look at who the owner of his car is. Right. Like, Dell Jr. even said a couple times after the um, after the altercation, they asked him what he would do if it was one of his drivers and stuff like that. And he was like, we would have we would have some serious words. There'd be a lot of discussions happening in the offseason. We would be figuring this out because the kids got the skills like we all say. He's like, we got to get the we got to get the rest of it dialed in because you can't be doing that. You're not going to do that in my race car. Just pretty much what he said. Yeah, well, and like I just said a little bit ago, that was one of those instances that humbled Noah very quick. Mm-hmm. Look, look what it did. He has yeah. been phenomenal since. Like, he is, he's acting like a professional athlete, which he is. There's a lot of, in a sponsorship-driven sport, I mean, it's more than just you. I mean, you're representing companies that are putting millions of dollars towards your effort. And when you're out there acting like a clown, that can't look good to the sponsors, let alone your team and all your crew yeah. guys. Cause I mean, you're the face of everything, but hundred percent. That's what they said today too, which is crazy that we're basically saying the same points. Um, one of the things that they brought up on, I can't remember which podcast or what I was listening to now, but um, it was sponsorship implications. Like, how much harder is it going to be, like, if you go to the Cup Series, to find a sponsor for the 18 car? Because Mars pulled out, and that's one of the biggest corporations in America. Like, it's not small. Right. They make Skittles, and I'm sorry, they make M&Ms, and everything chocolate, like, all that crap is Mars. It's one of the biggest companies in America, and they pulled out. So if you're being a ding-dong, and you have monster as your sponsor right now, but they're also on another car in the cup series. Who are you going to get? Who's going to, who are you even going to get to do the 18 car? And then who are you going to get? That's going to want your face on their product. Like, yeah, he's the face of monster energy, but he wrecks people every week and throws temper tantrums on the racetrack and compares himself to Jesus on a whim. Like what the heck? We're not going to sponsor this guy. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's just something, but again, that's just the, growing up and maturing into an adult you just that's things you learn along the way and these younger drivers they don't i don't i feel like they don't get enough of that real world interaction because they're just they're going to the racetrack every weekend and just doing their thing so i i don't know i uh i don't know what the fix is for that they just they're just gonna have to get humbled somehow yeah and unfortunate the unfortunate thing is is if they don't do it as in within the team. It will happen in a very violent way on the racetrack. He's either going to get clocked. He's going to get sent to the wall. Something is going to happen. And it's not just like you push enough people's buttons. Like we saw with Austin Hill pushes buttons. Evidently the third time gets you. Like I, it's going to wind up happening and there's, and he'll deserve it at that point. I don't like saying that, but it'll be, it's like if you, you know, tick off the bear or like, you know, anybody, it's like whenever you're a kid and you're poking your dad and he tells you to quit and you keep doing it, then he tells you to quit and you keep doing it. And then eventually you get sent to the floor and you don't understand how it happened. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, these guys are doing this for a living. So you're messing with their livelihood when something stupid like that happens. So there's going to be repercussions yep. at some point in time. 
Oh, hundred percent. I think that what bothers a lot of people the most is like, uh, I don't know how to say this and not sound like a dick, but whenever you're wrecking people every week or, you know, throwing temper tantrums or whatever, whenever you're racing in that fashion, it takes like, I, I'm not a race car driver and I could go punt somebody in the wall and win a race. Like it's not, that doesn't take any talent. That's the part that's bothering a lot of people too, is show your talent through your skills in the car that we all know you have. You don't need to, you know, do anything on top of that. If you want to rough people up on occasion, cool. Like, fine. Just don't send them into the wall, punch them after the race or any of this other stuff. Right. But since we just went on a little bit of a tangent about Ty Gibbs, <laughs> I wonder if we'll end up getting put on the block list on Twitter. Because <laughs> that seems to be a pretty regular occurrence. I see those tweets all the time. They're like, I don't even know this guy. I've never, I didn't even follow him, but he blocked me. <laughs> because it's like it's as soon as somebody starts calling him out on something, he just immediately blocks them. It's it's crazy. Oh, I see that that's for your own benefit when they do that because you don't need to be talking to them anyways. Like that's right. If they can't handle it, get just, if you can't handle it, stay out of the kitchen. Like just don't mess with it. <laughs> I've I've never understood that. If I got a problem with somebody, I don't care who it is. If it's somebody that could literally break me in half on a whim. I don't care. I'm going to come tell you. We're going to have a conversation about it. It will not probably be fun for me, but we're going to have a conversation about it because I want to know what you're thinking. And that's what a lot of these kids, a lot of these kids that are coming up and I'm not speaking about all of them. I haven't met them all. I don't know. But I think that, you know, being humbled in that way is a big thing because I know I've done stupid stuff and I've been like, threatened and all sorts of other things and you know threatened to have my butt whipped by people much bigger than me and i deserved it at that time i was being an annoying little shit like <laughs> fine do it like <laughs> but that's life just, man it 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 happens and it's going to like what we said it's going to wind up happening you know if you keep pushing people's buttons you're going to get clocked like myatt snyder who's going to have to go to concussion protocol it should be a thing he should have to go this week <laughs> yep because uh if you're out in the real world man they do not care who you are or what you do if they don't like it you're gonna find no. out and well and it would be i would say the exact opposite if he was just getting picked on for no reason i'd be like hey exactly what the heck is going on or just be like hey dude just you, you're gonna have to stand up for yourself i don't know what that guy's issue is or whatever but you're gonna have to go have that tough conversation with him and i was a little kid you know i I didn't grow for the longest time so i got picked on a lot so i had to figure out how to like get people to quit doing that kind of crap so and i didn't gain any weight until i was much older in life so i've been picked on forever and i just i was just i just got mouthy with him like that's what you got to do on the flip side of that but Whenever you're the instigator, you need to humble yourself in that sense before somebody does it for you. Yep. Well, and I I went through the exact same thing because, I mean, when I first started driving cars when I was 12 years old, man, I was like five foot and I weighed like 95 pounds. Actually, I don't even think I was that much. I didn't even break 100 pounds until I was like midway through my freshman year of high school. So I went through the same thing, being the short, scrawny little dude. And yeah, then then we both found the gym. <laughs> Facts. I learned how to eat right. Yep. <laughs> and then genetics kicked in, and now I'm six foot tall. So there we go. 
But man, I don't know if uh, I'm going to break away from that. We could talk about that all night, but there's so much more to unpack from this past weekend. Like, yes, yes. And there's so there's a couple other things I wanted to ask you what you thought about. So I, I don't know if you sent it to me or I sent it to you, but they did a crash test with the next gen car uh, yeah, of I it backing into you. a wall. Yeah. On Twitter. And from what I saw, I was like, I lo- I had to watch at first. It looked okay. Cause it's like, Oh cool. It actually crumples now. And then I got to mm-hmm. looking at it again and I was like, wait, wait a second. That's the fuel cell. That's crumpling. That's not good. We can't, you can't be doing that. Like in the old car, it had its own, I don't know how to say it. it had its own special box with the old cars. Cause I just remember it, it was very similar to the old trucks. And I just remember putting that together and there was no getting into it. Like car, it, car had to be super killed. If you were going to try to get into that thing Right. with this, at a 30 mile an hour rear ending, it just started to crumple. And I was like, man, you can't have that stuff doing that. That's going to, uh, yeah, I don't just, it, I don't know. It's not a good look. I mean, the thing to make it crunch, they obviously had to take away some of the strength of it, but right. some of the some of the bars that they took away, excuse me. Um I, I it almost looks like they took away too much, but they also said it's not very often that they uh back super square into the wall. But it's also true, but somebody still, that was, that will, it'll 30, happen. That was 33 mile an hour and that fuel cell moved a lot. It, I know that there's a bladder on. So for those that have never, for those that don't know, um, on the inside of the fuel cell, there's also a bladder that's supposed to protect the fuel from leaking out. And it's a very, if you've never messed with it before, had to put it inside the fuel cell, that stuff is just it's stiff like it is hard to do anything with it's hard to move around it's hard to get to crumple or anything like that it's very very tough and the way that that fuel cell was moving in that video in my opinion man i could see i can see an instance like just because it's racing and anything can happen i can see an instance where that fuel cell decides that it's going to like crack in a certain way. It punctures that bladder. You get fuel all over the track and somebody catches on fire just because of it. Just it happens in every series and every facet of racing. Every time you change something, it causes new issues. And I just, I can see that happening. Yeah. I just, I don't like how much it moved because even, even with the way the car is right now, before they implement any of this, I mean, it still moves, but it wasn't moving as much, but just, they took out maybe four bars, maybe. And I mean, that thing moves significantly more than it is in the current configuration right now. And I just, I don't know. That's, that's very scary, especially after we just saw, yeah. And they just, uh, Jordan Anderson just shared the pictures from his, uh, fire that he was in where was that even at i don't remember was that texas it was was, yes it was either it had to have been texas because they haven't raced in a while i think it was texas or whatever but he just showed all the pictures of his truck from how like charred and burnt that truck was like if that next gen fuel cell if it moves that much when they back into the wall or anything like that 
and it does get punctured, man, it's going to get hot very, very quick because they had that issue earlier this year, like when Kevin Harvick caught on fire there yep. at uh, Darlington. <laughs> that was just due to the rubber buildup. But that fire was getting so hot, it was melting the resin in the carbon fiber. Yeah. And so, I mean, that fire just kept escalating and escalating and just getting hotter and hotter. And I I don't know, man. I uh, I'd like to think that it would be okay but all it takes is one sharp piece of steel to go through that fuel cell and puncture the bladder and then and then you got a big fire on your hands yeah and it's gonna i don't know with how tight the the other thing i was worried about too with how tight those cars are um just from a manufacturing standpoint they don't not a lot of air flows through comes out does anything like what it would in the gen 6 car with the gen, with the next gen cars and i'm just worried about it combusting like that if it does have a small puncture a small leak you know whatever that it would whenever it does puncture that and if like you get a spark or something would happen like what happens all the time because they're going 190 mile an hour around the track depending on where they are like you'll just get a kaboom and you won't be able to do anything about it. It'll be like when they used to explode, when they used to back into walls with the gen five, or I think it was the gen four cars back in the mid two thousands. Like I just remember a bunch of guys backing into the wall for whatever reason in the two thousand, just getting instantly engulfed in flames. Like Kenny Schrader is one that I remember in that Schwann's 49 car backed mm-hmm. into the wall at Pocono, I think is where it was at. The car just like combusted. It was bad wreck and bad fire. And, it's one thing that fire is just something you don't mess with. It gets so hot, so fast inside those cars. You just you, something that you cannot screw around with. Like what's really weird is I just listened to uh, Dell Jr. Talking to Ron Fellows about his Corvette wreck earlier today. And they were talking about how hot it gets in the car and how hot it had to have gotten in Jordan Anderson's truck. Like what you were saying, it got hot enough. He bailed out and he didn't care what happened to him. So you're talking at 700 plus degrees because his scanner thing that they use for inside car temperature was broken. So like you're talking, you're talking melting, melting metal, metal temperature. temperature. I think they were saying it was roughly like 1200 degrees in that truck. But if you haven't seen it yet and you need to look up Jordan Anderson on social media, he just shared the pictures of it today and he kind of showed some of his burns and everything. But it is completely understandable why he was bailing out of that truck because everything in the cockpit of that truck was charred. And the safety crews got the fire out not too long after he, you know, hopped out. But I'd have done the same thing, just being honest. Like, if I'm on fire, I'm getting the hell out of Dodge. Like, there is not a lot that's going to stop me. If the brakes don't stop me, I'll find a way out. I don't care. But the people that have been in fire injuries and tell you about that kind of stuff or that have literally caught on fire before tell you it's the most painful thing we'll we'll ever experience. Uh junior was saying on that video i was listening to earlier today he was saying that it felt like a thousand bees were stinging him all at the same time whenever he got engulfed inside that corvette and i was like dang just it just it worries me the fuel cell is one of the things in the cars that we cannot like screw around with and it just worries me moving forward like that was 30 miles an hour you get into an impact it's like 180 
back into a wall, I don't care if it's at a 30, 45, whatever degree angle, it's going to puncture that bladder and we'll find out real quick what happens when that happens. So I don't know. And to the point of a lot of the drivers and a lot of the guys talking about the new next gen cars, um, if it's a step backwards in any way, shape or form whatsoever in safety and continues to be a step backwards, we need to, and this is just me thinking out loud, they need to reevaluate the next gen car. Like maybe it's not the right answer. Maybe you need to do something different because if it's going to cause drivers careers to end, if it's going to cause issues backing into the wall, if you don't know, like Tyler Reddick this weekend, it, nothing even really happened to him, you know, that bad. And yeah. he leaves the race because his head wasn't feeling right. He couldn't see straight and all sorts of other stuff. And it's because of an accident he was in at Homestead where he hit the inside retaining wall head on at call it 140 plus. And it's just this new car, man. It's not, it doesn't give. And I don't believe that you should ever, as far they they've come, no driver like Dale Earnhardt should have to die again for them to take the safety stuff seriously with the next gen car. And I'm not saying they're not, I'm just saying that it never needs to escalate to that point where people are actually getting seriously injured, killed, stuff like that. Cause it's all very well possible. And the fear is in the drivers right now that they'll get concussed if they back in the wall, maybe next year, if you back in the wall hard enough now that they've, you know, now that it's not as stiff, you're going to catch on fire. Like who the hell knows, but they just need to figure it out. Right. And there's two things I want to add to that. So, uh, I, I heard, uh, what I guess was the deciding factor for Tyler to, and props to Tyler for mm-hmm. having the courage and being in the right frame of mind to be like, I don't feel right. I have to get out of this car. So that is a step in the right direction from a driver's standpoint, but it sounds like I think Denny kind of, he either took off late or something like that on the restart and it kind of bottled up the whole field and whoever was behind Tyler just since they got stacked up, they hit him in the, in the tail and just that jolt is what made him realize like, Dude, my head is not right. I, I gotta right. get out. And uh that's scary. That's very scary. That that's a low speed impact. I mean yeah. so Martinsville, they're probably going eighty. Yeah. Maybe even less. Maybe like fifty to sixty on the restarts. Right. Depending on where you're at. If you're in the corner, obviously it's not gonna be that fast, but on the straightways it might be a little faster. But just that little impact was enough to ring his bell to where he's like, yeah, this isn't right. Yeah. And then back to the fire thing. I'm not sure what the regulation is on the cup series. I would like to think that they're required to wear all the fireproof underwear or either wear the, the balaclava head sock or have the helmet skirt, but I don't care what form of racing you're doing. I think it should be required that you have to wear the double layer suit. Yep. The fireproof pants, the yep. socks, the shirt, the head sock, or the skirt. That should just be a requirement. I don't care. I safety something that you just don't mess around with. And I think and even at the local dirt track level, I cannot believe that it is not mandatory 
everywhere that you have to wear a Hans device or the Simpson hybrid or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that stuff should be mandatory. I think all, all forms like go-karts is obviously different. Right. You still have to wear like a neck brace or whatever, but like anything that you're wearing or that you're in a car and you're in a five point harness or anything, I think it should be required. You have a full containment seat because there's a lot of guys, local dirt track. They still just race the, old-fashioned seats to where they just have the one little headrest here what i think oh dude it's crazy there's guys that race like hobby stocks and stock cars even some modified guys they don't even at the local level they did they don't even run full containment seats i'll never not race without a full containment seat or hans device yeah dude i used to i used to race against guys and when i first got into modifieds I think there was probably a half dozen guys I raced against. They didn't even wear gloves. That's interesting. They didn't wear gloves. They literally were out there just bare hands. Just, I don't know what to say to that. That's just like, wow, there's still people. You don't got a grizzly man. It's 2022, bro. Like you don't got to do that no more. I understand if it's 1980, 80, 90, something like that, and you're still running that kind of stuff, sure, fine, whatever. Like, safety equipment has just started to progress a little bit back then. But now, that's just dumb. Like, there's no excuse for that. And uh, I want to say it was like 2012 or 13 at the local tracks that I was racing Modifieds at. They, uh, they finally cracked down on the drivers wearing helmets that were outdated. Oh, really? There was guys that were wearing helmets that they wore in the nineties. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, why is this, why is this even a conversation? Like this mandated, like any form of racing. I think the, I think you have to have, it might be late enough now that everything has to be Snell 2015 or newer. It should. And, you're bringing up a bunch of good points. That's where the SFI certifications started to come into play. That's where they make you do SFI certifications too, unlike your helmets. And depending on what series you're in, I'm not speaking to all of them, but depending on where you're at, they make you certify the helmets, certify the safety gear, certify all that stuff to make sure that you're, you know, not going to go out there and injure yourself if you get in a minor impact or something. Or, you know, if you do flip around or do something crazy happens, like you'll be protected. It's not there for show. It's there so that you're not going to get injured to a point where you can't get in the race car anymore. Like the whole right. point is to be able to go back and do it again. And if you love it, if you love driving, if you if that's your thing and you have the ability to do it, why not spend a little bit extra on the right safety gear and just get to go do it? I, they don't let you play football without like newer helmets that are that are impact regulated to whatever. I don't know what the specs for it is, but I just remember seeing a little number on mine whenever I was playing, like it had to be a newer style helmet or you couldn't use the dang thing. You had to go get something different. Even pads for some positions were kind of the same way. You had to have newer style upgraded so that you wouldn't get hit in the chest and like it cave in your sternum or something insane would happen to you. Like Mm -hmm. it's all the same stuff. You can't yeah. can't overlook safety at all. And going back to like the next gen stuff, that's where my brain always goes. 
I love this car. I think it's cool. I think it's neat looking. There's a lot of positive features about it, but if the negatives start to greatly outweigh the positives, we, from a, from a racing standpoint, you got to ask yourself, like, what are we doing? Right. You got to, they're not going to, I don't know if they can go back to the gen six or what the options would be from there, but maybe we do a full redesign of the next gen kind of like they did with the COT for a little bit where, you know, from, Oh, when did it come out? 2007 ish. It, they ran it from 07 to 2011 and then they changed the body again in 2012 because they hated the way the cars looked with the big wing on the back and everything else. But they they really were. And, this new car is starting to give me COT vibes, just to be honest with you, just because there's so much. With the COT cars, they just didn't produce good racing. Like, it didn't put a good product out on the racetrack. And it was hard to pass. It was hard to do anything with those cars. And they, it was just not fun to watch at that point. And it's kind of like with this thing. Short track racing, restricted plate racing, the places where you're supposed to go, like, ham, balls to the wall, shouldn't be the most boring races on the schedule. It's the michigan's or the poconos or road courses or something like that where they get spread out and it's hard to pass anyways just because of aero tightness and all the road courses just because it's hard to pass and there's not a lot of places to do so like let the track dictate whether it's hard to pass it shouldn't be hard to pass at bristol it shouldn't be hard to pass at martinsville really shouldn't be hard to do pack racing at places where it's happened for the past 50 years and if it's going to become that way you need to change the car like I know it's expensive. I know that you've got a lot of shit going on. I know NASCAR's got a lot going on internally, but you got to put a good product out on the racetrack. Now, I know they're going to make changes to the car this offseason, and I know that they'll help, but with TV contracts and a whole bunch of other things coming down the pipeline, you got to put a good product on the track like next season. And there's no like, oh, we'll get to it, you know, midway through the year. You got to do it if it's not putting a good product out there, you got to fix it right away and just, you know, cover it, get the teams what they need to make the changes that you want to make and just keep rolling forward and just eat it until you get it right. Right. And I think with how vocal the drivers have been as of recently with all the injury stuff and just everybody's displeasure with how the car has been performing. Yeah. NASCAR would look very stupid if they didn't (laughs) jump right on it as soon as the off season hits and, make changes to make it better which i think they're going to i think they're going to figure something out that's going to make it better and even this martinsville race it was better Mm -hmm. but it did take most of that first stage before anything really started happening i mean it was kind of just follow the leader unless your name was denny hamlin and he just somehow passed the entire damn field but (laughs) but, to be fair he's just He's got the paperclip. I don't. I don't think it matters what you put him in at that track. He's going to figure out how to pass cars. He's got. Right. He's just got it at that track. He's like the Richard Petty's, the Jeff Gordon's, the Jimmy Johnson's. He's in that same category at that track. Yeah, but uh, it did. It took most of that first stage before there was any tire fall off. Before we even started seeing cars kind of moving around and making passes and anything. So I mean, it was better. Yep. But it still wasn't as good as it should be. No. And I don't know. It's just, it's so tough. Cause I'm not on the inside. Like, I don't know what they're doing. They they could be scrambling for all I know to make it better. Like right. now, like they could be bringing in engineers from all the teams and just getting data and everything to 
you know, make this car perfect next season for all we know. We don't see what happens behind closed doors. All we can do is speculate what we see out on the track. And yep. from what we're seeing out on the track, there's a lot that needs to change with that car. And I think with, you know, some tweaks and some upgrades and some different parts, that thing is going to race amazing. The mile and a half races this year have been just some of the best racing I've seen in a while. People, it's not that bad to pass. You add some more power, some more tire fall off to the cars. You get some good races out of those mile and a half tracks. You apply that same strategy to the short tracks and get them, get them in high power cars back at Daytona and Talladega again. You know what I mean? Just let them let them roll 200 mile an hour and get runs on each other. You know, everything that they used to do back in the 2000s, because the 2000s restrictor plate races. I'm not talking about the 2010s, like 2000 post Daytona 2001 to like 2009 were some of the best pack races, if that's what you like, that you'll ever go watch. It was amazing. Yeah, that's just uh but they can't crank that horsepower up until they get the safety stuff figured out. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be kind of curious to see how Reddick does this weekend. Mm-hmm. I'd be curious to see where his head's at. I'm also kind of, kind of on topic off topic here, but uh, I'm kind of surprised that Alex Bowman's coming back for Phoenix. I, I, I don't know. I am. And I'm not just because like, I don't know. I, 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 if I was a race car driver, I don't even like seeing people drive my passenger car. Like my Jeep that we have, I don't like seeing other people drive it. It makes me mad. So I can't imagine if that was like your way to make a living. You put food on the table that way. It's your race car, man. Like as soon as I'm healthy, I don't care if it's the last race of the year or an ex- exhibition race or what I'm going back. Like you're not going to get me out the car for that long. As soon as you clear me back, like no question about it. Yep. Well, and I mean, I completely understand that. It just, it just seems, uh, I'm kind of surprised, kind of not, but I don't know. Maybe he just heals a lot faster. Obviously (laughs) Kurt's a lot older, so his situation's completely different, but right. It almost makes you wonder if it's too soon. I don't know. We'll see how he, how he does and how he feels after the race or whatever, but it's good to see him back. Mm -hmm. But I'm, like I said, I'm going to be curious to see how Tyler is because that could potentially be the third guy this year. I, I, we might as well. I think it is. Like, you just call a spade a spade, man. I think that's it is what it is. I think he had something happen at Homestead. Maybe he didn't get checked out as much as he should have or whatever. And it just sounds so – if you go back and listen to um, some of Dale Jr.'s podcasts that he talks about his concussions and – the way that he felt and what happened to him and stuff like that. A lot of the same, um, it's easier the second time around. So instead of hitting the wall at 150 miles an hour and your head hurts, you hit it at 80 or somebody hits you at 80 and your head hurts. Like it just, the, the barrier to entry gets lower every single time you get one of those things. And it just gets down to the point where like smacking your head up against the wall the wrong way or against the side of your bed or whatever, will give you a concussion because your internally your brain is so swollen. And if you go back and listen to those episodes, it just what happened in that car and what happened at Martinsville just reminded me of what Junior was talking about. Yeah, and I can relate to it because I just went through the exact same thing last year. And right, I uh, I was trying so hard to get back in the car as soon as I could, but 
I'm glad it didn't work out because honestly, I think I would have been a lot more susceptible to getting hurt again. Yeah. Obviously I had more than a concussion that I was dealing with. I had two fractures in my back. So that, that alone took a while to feel good again, but I completely understand the concussion thing. And I actually, I, I didn't read junior's book. I did the audio book because it just, it was the only way that it didn't hurt my, my head while I was recovering. But I, I'm glad I took the extra time to get healthy again. Mm-hmm. Like I, I work a physical labor job, so it's not uncommon to hit your head on something. Like I actually hit my head on something today. And if I wouldn't have allowed myself to get that extra healing time, like it could have been little things like that just in my day job that it could have just flared it right back up again. And then I'm right back to ground zero, right where I started. Yeah. And then you, you got to heal all over again. So I I completely understand everything with the concussion stuff, because like I said, I just went through the exact same thing. It's, I never realized just how much it makes me like, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever had one. I've hit my head on a lot of stuff, like a lot of stuff. And I don't know if I've ever actually had one and I don't know how to, now I don't know how to go back and kind of relook at it. Cause I've had like, freak accidents where um somebody's supposed to be controlling an engine hoist when i was working on uh tractor trailers and school buses and stuff and they weren't listening to me and ended up dropping it kind of on it it rung my bell because it hit me in the head and it was a seven three power stroke and like you talk about a headache i i had to go lay down after that because i was like done for the rest of the day yeah and it's not just that it's multiple situations things like that it can be anything like going into a wall 150 miles an hour having in my case a motor dropped on your head at one point or another and just i'm just thankful that the chassis was there to catch it the rest of the way because it was right underneath the bus but right well and i'll add one more thing to this concussion topic because we still got quite a bit that we got to get to um so since you said you don't know how to go back and go and kind of figure out whether you, you think you may have had one or whatever I would I would suggest listening to uh listening to the audiobook or reading Junior's book where he talks about all the concussions because going through that and listening to how he explained all his symptoms and everything, like I was able to compare everything I was going through was like the same thing he did. So hmm. it helps you put it into perspective and you'd be like, Yeah, I definitely think I had one at that <laughs> point in time. I know I had one because I don't remember any of it. <laughs> right. That's crazy. Now you got my brain turning on that. I'm going to have to go listen to that book because <clears throat> there's been like in football and, you know, just doing physical stuff. I've always been working on stuff and I've had freak accidents happen to me like everybody else does. And I don't know. Now you got my brain turning on. I'm going to have to go look it up. Yeah. Well, and that's funny <laughs> because I'm, I'm wearing her shirt tonight, but uh, I actually reached out to Amber Balkan because I met her through first form stuff or whatever. That's cool. But, That's um, cool. And then we've got to meet at the ARCA races and everything like that. But almost a year exactly from when she had her bad wreck race in midgets, like the only difference of our injuries is I had the compression fractures. 
she didn't have that. I think she just had a really bad concussion and then she got some burns. Yeah. But we just kind of talked back and forth about the kind of what happened and just talking about the concussion stuff. And, uh, she actually suggested that I listen to Dale's book about it because that's what she listened to when she was recovering. And I, I listened to it and I was like, damn, I just got a whole (laughs) new perspective about the concussion world. Yeah. It's crazy. It's, uh, you don't think about it, but there's two things you got to have to operate your heart and your brain. Right. (laughs) And when one of them gets hurt, it's not good. You can't take it lightly. No, but man. So moving on, we're going to talk about something fun real quick. Oh yeah. Not real quick. It's going to be a while. The end of the cup race. I don't care about the first 499 laps. I care about the last one. That sounds bad, but dude, if you have not seen it yet, for those that live under a rock, it's went viral. So if you haven't seen it yet, just look up Ross Chastain. It'll be the first thing that pulls up. Um, he, I'm going to explain the situation and then we'll do our thing. But so at the end of the race on Sunday, Ross Chastain needed two more points on the final lap to make it to the final four of the playoff for next weekend at Phoenix. And he didn't have anybody, you know, within passing distance in front of him. Like he was alone a little bit on the racetrack. And so coming out of turns one and two, he asked, you know, spotter, crew chief, whoever, like, how many, are we good? No, you need two points. And then he kind of confirmed, you hear him on the radio, we need two points. And you hear them say, yes. And all you hear is the throttle up and then a shift. And he rode the wall around turns three and four, passes five cars, and ends up door-to-door at Denny Hamlin and Brad Kozlowski, like in fourth and fifth place, and ends up, making the playoff because he did a video game move on the last lap to pass five cars to do that. He didn't win the race or anything. He did that just to make it to the final four, which is freaking crazy. I've tried it in video games. I've seen people try it in the past. I have never seen anybody actually pull the freaking thing off. And I'm trying not to say the F word because just it'll fly once I start. So, (laughs) <laughs> that was the craziest shit I've ever seen on an NASCAR race. I've seen like cars flip. I have seen amazing passes on the last lap for the win. I have seen all kinds of shit and I have never seen somebody do the video game thing, ride the wall the whole way around three and four. He was doing 60 miles an hour faster than those guys at the, in the apex of three and four. Cause Martinsville is a short track. It's a shaped like a paperclip. They slow down to about 58, 61 miles an hour at the apex and then throttle out. And he was going 120 on the last lap through the center of the corner. He set a record for the track at 18 point, like four, seven seconds or something like that. And I was like, Holy shit, this is amazing. I have never (laughs) seen anything like that. I have seen some wild finishes on the dirt tracks before. Like a guy going in between another car and the fence for the last lap pass one that comes to mind is when brian burkhofer won the luke or the knoxville late model nationals i don't remember it was mid 2010 sometime and he ended up retiring after that but he passed scott bloomquist coming out of turn four scott bloomquist was sliding up to the fence and brian burkhofer pretty much did the same thing he was up on the fence held her wide open and he just 
I mean, there had to have been a centimeter between them two. <laughs> and he just inched past them and ended up getting the win. And then he retired after that in victory lane. But I've seen a lot of finishes like that. That's but I have never seen anybody, let alone at Martinsville. I mean, you've seen those guys try it on like the mile and a half tracks or the bigger tracks where they put it up on the fence. Like Larson did it at Darlington a few years ago. Yeah. I'm going to get to that in a few minutes, but it didn't work. No, it did not. Not only did he make this up in his mind between turn two and turn three. Right. Yeah. Five seconds. It executed perfectly. And he passed Denny Hamlin and that knocked Denny out and put Ross in. That is insane. I, Craziest yeah. thing I've ever seen. Dude, Denny should he's been talking smack about getting him back the whole year. And that's called karma for not doing it, man. I don't he Ross has been chastaining him the entire season and he has done nothing about it. And it is so ironic that he comes to make the playoff. He comes door to door with the guy that's supposed to wreck him every week and never <laughs> does. And he passes him, knocks him out of the championship four, and that's it. Like you can't, you can't say anything about it. He, what he did was clean within the rules, and there's nothing going against it. And personally, I would have never thought to do that at Martinsville. Like, I don't even know how to. That track is so. That corner is so short, and so I don't even. It's shaped like a freaking paper. It's a paperclip. Like, how do you do that at a paperclip? It. It's still, you know, this is Wednesday and it happened on Sunday night. It still blows my mind that the car stuck on the outside wall the way that it did. And he was able to just ride that the whole way around. It wasn't for, you know, just like a second or two. It was for a solid, you know, couple football fields. He was riding the fence. Yeah. And I, I still don't know what to say about it. My brain can't comprehend what happened. If you see any of the videos, it almost looks fake. It looks like the old, like, Smokey and the Bandit movie where they would, like, fast forward a little bit and everybody else is standing still to make cars look like they're going faster. And it's just, it's, (laughs) it's just freaking crazy. I don't know how to. He took turn three at 130 miles an hour. Yes. That's insane. They, I don't even know if they hit 130 down the backstretch or on the straightaways there. No, I give him – he's got water – they call him the watermelon man. He's got watermelon balls. Like, he <laughs> straight yeah. – my my man just halfway down the backstretch gets the word we need two points, and everybody else, you know, he had the choice to shift or not. He mats it, grabs a gear, and just rides the outside wall the whole way around the track to make the final four. He didn't even win the race is the crazy thing. He, that was just to make the playoff, and – to me, it looked. I don't know if he had that planned, if he's practiced it, or what happened. But, dude, <laughs> it's just so mind blowing to think about. Because if you've watched racing as long as we have, usually when you try that, it does not work. It goes the exact opposite of that. You end up like wrecking, slowing down, destroying the car, the whole nine yards. And that's something I wanted to bring up too. I I think this only works as much as we dislike it in the next gen car because of the way the bodies are shaped. You have minimal sidewall clearance um, as far as the sidewall to the rim on the tire. So you're not going to be rubbing the wall with the tire and it has the aluminum wheels. So it's not going to, you know, blow anything doing it, which it didn't like, if you go look at the car, 
after the race, he didn't blow any tires. Like you just see chunks of the, you see chunks of the wheel missing, <laughs> which is crazy. But like, I think in the in the Gen Six car that does not work because the sidewall protrudes. Yeah, it would it would shred that car. Oh yeah, the sidewall protrudes too far out. It would grind to a halt. The the bodies were made differently, so it would rip the sheet metal off the side of the car, and it just would work. This new car allows people to do that evidently and it works so well ross chastain just did two things by doing that move made a new rule he just well okay those three (laughs) things so he probably just made a new rule yep (laughs) he just grew the sport a lot yeah like they were talking about this on the football broadcast like sunday night football monday night football like it was talked about there so he just grew the popularity of the sport and he just turned himself into an icon. Yeah. Every stupid thing he's done this year, and they call it the Ross Chastain don't give up tour the whole season. If you listen to any of the podcasts or anything about NASCAR, that's what they've been calling it the whole year. The Ross Chastain I don't give a shit tour is pretty much what it's called. And yep. it's because he's been beating and banging people the whole season and just causing drama, all sorts of other stuff. That fell by the wayside during the summer, and then it reappeared in the playoffs because he started, you know, beating and banging a little bit more. And now he is the watermelon wall man because he just did something that we have never seen before and is incredible. It's just hard to wrap your brain around if you've been watching the sport for a long time and seen him go around Martinsville because you just you can't do that at 130 mile an hour going through the corner. His average lap speed was six miles an hour faster than the leader of the race at that point. Mm -hmm. He ran a two and a half second faster lap than the leader of the race in a corner. He didn't make it up in one and two. It was all three and four. He ran, that was two and a half seconds faster that he ran at a half mile track in a corner of the track. Like not the whole thing. Yep, that just went down as one of the greatest moves in NASCAR history, Dude, for sure. I love it. I absolutely think it was amazing, but for the safety and the sake of the drivers, I do not want to see it again. Like, No, I don't either. But you know what? I love it, Rock made that He made that game-time decision that he was going to do whatever it took yeah. to give his team a chance to go for a title. Oh, 100%. My favorite, my favorite part is when they interviewed him. <laughs> and they, he's standing there, and they're just getting ready to start his interview, and they're pushing his car by, and he just looks at his car and just starts laughing. <laughs> that was the best thing ever. <laughs> he just starts laughing. He's like, I, I can't believe that actually worked. <laughs> but you know what? I you got to give him credit because oh, he. Yeah. He just did he did whatever literally whatever it took to make the final four. I guess I, I just it took everybody so off guard, including me. Like I didn't see it coming. Like uh I forget I sometimes I forget what his name is. The main announcer for NBC, Rick Allen, that's what his name is. Oh yeah. He didn't even see it until Latart's tapping him on the shoulder and like, hey, look at that, look at that, look at that. And then he starts just yelling about Ross Chastain. And then nobody cared that Christopher Bell just got a walk-off win to make it to the Final Four. Like, it was all Ross at that point. Yeah, I, it, 
it was crazy watching it live on TV. They just showed it and then they kept showing the replay. I'm like, that's got to be fast forward. And they're like, no, that is real time. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. It's absolutely crazy. I'll just I'll never forget. It's one of those announcements that now I'm not going to forget. It's Rick Allen going, look at what he did. And then you see the fast forward looking video of him just rim riding around the outside of the outside racetrack. The racetrack. And I'm like, like, that's freaking cool. It's crazy. And then, uh, so I want to bring up what I was, I mentioned a little bit ago. Mm -hmm. Um, I was a little thrown off with Larson's reaction to it. Yeah. That, um, he was really the only one that made that sort of remark towards it. Like, uh, like I think Joey Logano may have said something about, possibly a rule thing coming yeah. because of it or whatever, but I don't know. I was, I just seemed, it caught me off guard on his reaction to it because everybody else was like, yeah, that was ingenious. Like I, <laughs> it was incredible. I, right. He made it work. See, everybody else freaking loved it. And <clears throat> I really think, and this is probably, Joey Logano is becoming one of my favorite guys like out on the racetrack. I did not used to care for him that much. Just being blunt and Maybe honest. Both. Whenever he, especially when he was racing for Gibbs, I did not, I was not a fan, like just not about it. And past, I don't know, three or four years, it's just been like, you know, I kind of like this guy. And yeah. after that, he had fun with that comment. He was like, this is freaking cool. You just can't <laughs> do that. He had fun with the interview and he was like, but this is awesome, but we can't do this again. Cause he was like, we're going to wind up at Martinsville next season and everybody's going to be riding the wall. If we don't make a rule, that's just what's going to happen. Now that they've seen okay. it work, they're going to try it. And he brought right. up a good point. If everybody tries it, something horrific is going to happen. Yeah. Cause he was like, can, he said, you're running 130 mile an hour scraping the wall right next to the catch fence where the fans are at. And that's a problem. There's also a door that I didn't know existed in turns three yep. and four where they pull the trucks in and out. And yep, right around four. yeah, if that guy doesn't do his job, we're talking something. We're having a different conversation about Ross Chastain right now. And it's probably him being in the hospital because if that wall is jutted out a little bit and he catches that, it's going to look like one of those video game things where like you see this car going straight towards a wall that has a little like edge on it and the car catches the wall and it just sticks. That's what would have happened. Or one of those, like, Michael Waltrip at uh, Bristol where it, like, rips a car in half. Oh, dude, people aren't ready for that. Don't. <laughs> that, like, I don't know how, to, just being, I'm just going to say, it, I don't know how he lived through that. Because that was in the. I don't know either. I was in the early 90s. And it was in the number, oh, what was that? It was the number 30 uh, Penzel car, I think. Number It was the number 30 yellow car. I don't remember what the sponsor was. But um, he comes, he hit the pit access or something at Bristol and it, it shredded the car. Like he didn't have to, once he undid his seatbelt, he walked out of the roll cage. It was that bad. Like it just, just no, <laughs> we don't need anything like that again. That was bad. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, everybody was, <laughs> I mean, everybody was just like, I, I don't know how that just worked, but yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I was completely thrown off by Larson's comment by it i did i don't know something about that was just weird to me see i think he's in the mind he's completely in the mindset right now in 
my opinion of looking at everything in a 10,000 foot view. And that's where he's at right, right now. And so as soon as he saw that, his first reaction was probably like, oh, that's cool. And then it, just like where my brain went, it took my brain 24 hours to start going other places. Then that was freaking cool. I want to see it every week to, okay, wait a second. We need to reel this in, think about it a little bit. What could happen if it does not go the right way, especially with the safety issues going on with the car right now? Like if he, if Bubba Wallace decides he's going to block or Hamlin decides he's going to try to block and there's a, you know, 70 mile an hour difference between the cars, that's going to be right. like a freight train. He's going to plow through that, that been bad, yeah. whatever is in front of him. But I really, I don't want to take away from the fact that that was just the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life behind the wheel <laughs> oh, yeah. of a race car. It is in there with my top four favorite moments in racing. I just, just going to throw it out there. It's in my top four. Number one, and this will always be number one in my heart, is Dell Jr. coming back to Daytona in July of 2001 and winning that race. Because as a kid, watching his dad race, watching him race, watching him come up through the Xfinity Series, watching the celebration afterwards, that was a moment in sports that will never be replicated i hope because i hope that nobody else's dad dies somewhere that they love to race but that's something that i don't think will ever be replicated as far in in my opinion just as far as like ultimate moments in sports that happen that was Mm -hmm. awesome and that's in my top four though because yeah just wow (laughs) yeah I mean, I completely understand where Kyle's coming from. I just wasn't expecting that to be his reaction right away. No, he deflated them. He he kind of deflated the moment. Well, because you're all like jacked up on what that what just happened. You're like, oh my god, what do these guys think about this? And he's like, nope, pops a hole in it. That was really stupid. Yeah, he's just like, nope, screw that. We ain't doing that no more. We don't need to do it. That's the way it came off. He was not he was not pleased at all with what had happened there. Which I I completely understand. I can yeah. I understand where he's coming from. Yeah, if he'd have said that today, I'd have been like, "Yeah, fine, cool, whatever." But it was right after the race, and I was like, "What the <laughs> heck?" After they did like four interviews, and everybody's like, "That was wild." Yeah, and they yeah. showed the in-car cameras where like people are literally laughing inside the race car. Joey Logano was like, <laughs> "Dude, he was losing it in the car." <laughs> yes, oh, it was yes. hilarious. He was like, did you see that? And he was just cackling inside the car. Oh, man. Chase Briscoe goes, I have never seen anything like that in my life. Well, did you see Chase like that night went home and got on iRacing and tried replicating it? And it cut him off. <laughs> it, it, it like snagged him in the middle of the corner or something. And he's like, iRacing, we need consistency here. <laughs> There was another guy that did it successful. I don't remember. I don't know who it was, but on iRacing, he did it um, the same thing. He rode the wall and came off the wall in like the same spot and in the same center of the front stretch. It was crazy. It looked exactly like it. And all he was doing was replicating it. I was like, wow, that actually takes a lot of skill to do that. That's pretty cool. I'm going to have to try it myself. <laughs> I'm going to have to fire up NASCAR 2005 and do it on the hat i mean see if it works man like i want to know if he's actually telling the truth he said he did it on gamecube or something like that my little brother still has ours so next time i go down there and be like hey pop in nascar 2005 i want to see something real go quick to Martin, Joe. <laughs> yeah. we gotta try <laughs> we gotta see if this works 
that uh but man, I want to give Christopher Bell props though before we pass on this. He the past two cutoff races has walked off with a win. Just walked off with a win. Charlotte Roval needed to win. Cool. I think his crew chief is Adam Stevens, who used to be Kyle Bush's crew chief when he won those couple championships. And yep. Steve Letarte said something that I love. He's like, no, I'll just give you the equipment and you go do the thing, man. Like, here you go. We gave you four tires. We gave you everything you needed. Go do your job. I love that. And it's given Christopher Bell so much confidence in that car because he's got, we all know boys got skills. Like, one of the most talented drivers of this generation. Like, can literally wheel man anything. Dirt, asphalt, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. He's just good everywhere. Get some confidence in him. You're going to see a future series champion. It may be this year for all I know. I don't know if he'll beat the competition that he's got because it's pretty stiff. You got Chase Elliott, Joey Logano, Ross Chastain, who now we know will do whatever it takes to win a race or to do whatever is next. Like, right. He will send it and does not care. Now we know. But yep. this weekend at Martinsville, he was unfortunately in the altercation with Bubba Wallace and Kyle Larson a couple weeks before. Got him way behind in the points. They didn't do so hot at Homestead and just did what he had to do, man. Like, I, yep. that's called, that's Mamba mentality right there. Whatever you got to do, just yeah. freaking win. Like, I had to go win. Cool. Give me, give me, give me the steering wheel. Like, let's go. Yep. They, uh, they definitely, uh, they do very well under pressure and when they need to perform at certain points in time, when it really counts, they do it and they have done it twice now. So uh, that is uh, very impressive and I'm really happy for them. That's awesome to see. Dude, Phoenix is going to be wild next weekend. Yeah. With those four, you have you have four very. I like it because you have four very different style driver. You have Christopher Bell, who's incredibly smooth and talented, and just can wheel man anything. You've got the watermelon ball Chastain, like <laughs> he'll do whatever it takes to go win a race. You have Joey Logano, who is very aggressive, very aggressive, and you put him in position to win on a restart. He's got it. Like, that's the guy. If he's in second, third place, he will find a way to do it. And then you got Chase Elliott, who is just clutch. He's very, very good in those situations. He's got the crew to do it. He's got the power of Hendrick Motorsports. And he's he's already won there a couple of years ago. So he knows what it takes to go do this in these clutch situations. And he finished, like, second or third last year, from what I remember. So it's not like he's a slouch at this racetrack. He's very, very good at Phoenix. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's uh it's going to be interesting. It's uh, I like the, how diverse this final four is though, for sure. That's, mm -hmm. that's going to make it very interesting to watch and you're going to see four guys go at it four different ways. And somebody's going to do something big to make it happen. It's probably going to be Ross. <laughs> <laughs> it very well could be. I don't know. I don't, I don't even know who to pick. Like, I think it just depends on. There's so many factors that go into that. There's the three different stages. There's the way you do your pit stops. There's where your pit crew handles the pressure. There is the what's always going to happen. More than likely, the money stop at the end of the race. Like, 
get more rides on the team, honestly, this week than, you know, car or talent of the driver. It's a total combination. It's like winning the Super Bowl. You can have a couple aspects of the game fall behind, but if you don't have good defense, if you don't play, you know, to the hand that you're dealt perfectly, like it's not going to work. And that's just what you're going to have to do next week at that racetrack. Yeah, for sure. I uh, I definitely I took a little bit of time today to sit down and think about my picks for tonight. Really? <laughs> yeah, I had to think about it, but I think I got a I think I got a decent idea what I want to do. Okay, well we're probably at time, so you just want to roll into it. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. <laughs> this I think this one kind of turned into a long winded episode, but that's all right. There was a lot to cover. Hey, that's cool. Well, we had. I'm just going to call it what it is. We had the worst of what you can see in racing with the Xfinity Series race. And then we had the best in the cup race. It's like they they were polar opposites in how one blew my mind and I couldn't handle it. The other one, I wanted to jump through the TV and just go scold him. Like, I don't – two two totally different reactions to the end of the race. Completely opposite. Yes, 100%. And it's a lot to take in if you're a race fan, man. Like, all those people there were, like, probably livid, for lack of a better term, at Ty Gitt. The way he got booed after that, I haven't heard that. Dude, that's a different level. Like, I, being a Gordon fan, I've been to the races. I've heard the boos. I've heard when Kyle Busch comes on stage. I've heard the boos. I have never heard the crowd react that way. They were, <laughs> thank you, Grandpa. Like, what the shit? yeah the fans are ruthless man but they're gonna tell you if they like it or not and i don't want to be i don't know about you but i'm not one to be hated by everybody i want at least somebody to like me like (laughs) why would you i understand why would you do everything in your power like if you want to to piss people off if you want to start checking boxes he checked all three like right in a row yeah but being in the motorsports world my whole life, I've never wanted to be that guy that's hated by everybody because it no. just makes your life living hell on the track. Yeah. If anything, be like Gordon and Jimmy Johnson used to be, where you're so freaking good. People get tired of seeing you in victory lane, so they just boo you because of that. Like, that's fine. Yes. But if you're just being a ding-dong and get booed because people have legitimate reasons not to like you, that's totally different. And it's going to be a lot louder. Yeah. Like what it was. Yeah. <laughs> well, and like I said, the fans, they're going to let you know. Yeah, fans tell the truth, man. The truth. No, they do not. doesn't matter what sport it is either. They will tell you exactly what you're thinking, which I love. So you just got to learn how to deal with it. But Yep. Um, so I actually have all my predictions written down. Um, you just want to – let's start with the truck race because that one's going to be fun. Yeah. So, uh, for the truck race, I'm going to go with race winner and champion. I'm going with my boy, Ty Majeski, because that dude is on a mission. Hey, I that respect. Like, if he doesn't win, I'm almost going to be disappointed. But especially the way he's been running, that truck's been fast everywhere yeah. they go. Yes. The only thing I can see going on, and I was thinking about, like, with the picks, I was thinking about the total team effort and the average that they've been doing the whole season. And 
for trucks, I got to go with Zane Smith. I think Zane Zane was like my second or third. They've been consistent all year. He's really good at these type of racetracks. And he's got the crew backing behind him. They've been solid for the most part in pit road the entire season. Like, I think if we're talking about total package, you're going to see, I think Zane Smith is going to be the guy that wins it. And Ben Rhodes, and I don't even remember the fourth guy. That seat, the trucks need to do like a better media job so that we remember who's even right. in it. Because I know it's Ty Zane, uh, Ben Rhodes, and then I really don't remember the fourth guy. I feel bad, but I don't remember who the fourth guy is. Um, I'm not sure either. It, 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 who knows? But Zane is definitely my guy, though. Like, I like him. He's a good race car driver. I think he's going to do it. Yeah, Zane's a good pick. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I'm a firm believer in uh, momentum when it comes to motorsports in any form. Mm-hmm. Once you get that train rolling, it's just it seems like everything just starts clicking and everything just goes better and better and better. Yeah, you're gonna have a hiccup here and there, but once you get that train rolling, man, it usually everything just starts working good. And that's why I went with Ty. And plus, I just I think he's peaking at the right time. And oh yeah. He wants it bad. People don't understand how bad that boy wants it. Like he's had a hard way to come up through the yes. ranks and he he's out to prove it. Like he's out to prove he's got the skills and he's doing it in a truck that honestly just shouldn't be up there. So he's overdriving the equipment. He is doing he's checking all the boxes in all the right ways. So I think between the two, like we got a winner. Either way, one of those two guys is going to oh, yeah. walk off with the win and the championship. For sure. So, now the fun one. <laughs> the Xfinity race is going to be freaking crazy. I don't even know. I'm not ready for what's going to happen. I can already tell you. I don't know. Uh, Yeah, I, uh, I'm i not sure either. Um, But I, I'm going with another one that's going to be – I think race winner and pull off the championship. I'm going to go with Noah. And that's just because those guys, they are steamrolling right now. Mm -hmm. They are fast every week. Noah knows that Luke Lambert is going to cup with him next year. Yep. And they want to get that title together. And I just, I think Noah's in a good place mentally. I think he's ready to lock this deal up and, he just he's fast everywhere, so I yep. I feel pretty confident in Noah pulling it off this weekend. Yep. But it was a tough decision. Oh because yeah. there's another guy I feel like very, very similar about, and I think that might be who your pick is. Oh, I'm going with my boy. I'm going with Justin. Like yep. I can't not pick him. I don't care if he wasn't running well and just happened to like kind of make it into the final four, I'd still pick him. But this year they've just been solid and this is one of his he is amazing at this racetrack. Like, yes, he, he completely, he destroyed the field earlier this year at Phoenix. It's his style Mm -hmm. racetrack. There's tire fall off. There's stuff you got to worry about. You have to have finesse. He doesn't rough people up. He doesn't piss other drivers off all the time. Like what other people do that are in the final four. And I just think it's, I think he's due. Like he's, how old? He's a couple years older than me. He's like 33, 34 years old. He's been in the Xfinity series for a while. And he's coming up on that, like, make or break time where either it's going to happen or it's not. 
Right. And he just, I know from talking to him how bad he wants it. And it, he's going to get it this weekend. If Noah, does, if him and Noah, I have a feeling are going to be fighting it out for the championship. But there's two other guys that like the 54 cars fast every week. You got to get, you got to give them that. They're half a tenth or so faster than the rest of the field almost every week. And I think that the drama and the karma is going to catch up with that 54 car this weekend. I don't think he finishes the race. I just don't. He's made too many people bad. He has done too much stupid shit over the course of the year. And I just, I see him having a lot of issues. I don't see how there's any way possible that any of those other three guys in the championship would possibly let Ty Gibbs pull it off. There is no way. Well, we did. I think we mentioned it earlier, but three of the cars, three of the four cars are on the same team that are in this championship race for the Xfinity series. They're all junior motorsports cars. So Josh Berry, who we didn't mention is the dark horse. He could wind up destroying them next week for all we know. He does really well. He's been consistent all year, won, you know, three or four races throughout the season. And he's had really good finishes. I just don't, they've, they have not had the speed consistently as much as the nine, the seven and the 54 is the reason I have him like as my fourth guy. I think he right. does well. I think he leads laps. I think he makes some noise, but I don't see them win it. Right. And don't, I almost picked Justin just because I know of his being a veteran of the sport. He's been in this situation several times before. Mm -hmm. So I could see that experience kicking in and really doing a lot of good for him. I just, I don't know. I feel like he's just kind of had a little bit of dumb luck this year. And I, I just know how, I just know how much momentum and how hard that nine team is going. And now that they know that they're going together to cup, they would want nothing more yeah. but to win an Xfinity championship and then go to the cup series together. Oh, 100%. As far as raw speed, the 9 and the 54 all day long. Like, yeah. you're talking about raw speed to win the win the race. They're going to be the two guys that are going to probably dominate right. this race. And if one of them, I just, I don't know. I, three on one, I don't see Ty winning it. And then I see karma catching up with him in a bad way this weekend like flat tire tire issues just something if somebody doesn't wreck him i just see something happening like that right i could see it but this was this is not as hard as the um the cup pick that i have the cup the cup could go any way i don't know who in the world's going to win the race for all i know kyle larson's going to win because he wants to win the owner's championship more than anybody else so like yeah, I uh, I had to do some thinking on this because honestly, any of the final four could very easily win this this weekend. Oh yeah, they could win the championship. Whether any of the four wins the race or not, I, I don't know. That's really hard to tell. Yep. I mean, that's one thing the next gen car has done very well this year is you just have no idea who's going to win the race. But uh, I my race winner. I'm going to pick Larson because he obviously he got it done there last year. And the point you just made about the owner's championship. And they've been very solid the last, this whole round of eight. Yeah. I mean, he, the first race of the round of eight wasn't so good. No, obviously, <laughs> he, he, but he kind of uh, got wrecked. 
<laughs> then he turned around and won. Right. And then he got right. second last weekend. He got the pole mm-hmm. at Martinsville. Mm-hmm. And then he ran in the top, pretty much the top five all day, ended up second. Yep. Best he's ever done at Martinsville. He even said that in his interviews. He's like, he's like, I can't believe I actually did anything good at Martinsville. So yeah. he's got yeah. that going for him. Chase just got knocked out of the owner's championship. So now it's just Kyle going for it for Hendrick. Mm-hmm. So I see Kyle. I could see Kyle. And he he was running good. He was in the top 10, I think, both stages earlier in the spring. But then he ended up having an engine expire on him. So he didn't get to finish. But, I mean, he was fast. Obviously very fast last year. And that money stop at the end got him. But yeah. I could see them pulling off the win. But for the championship, I'm going to go with Christopher Bell. Because I want Christopher to win that championship in the worst way. Just because them guys, they showed up when they had to. Yeah. And they're going to show up again this weekend. I, I feel pretty strong about that. The other, the other three in the championship are going to be very, very tough to beat. Mm -hmm. Like Chase Elliott's going to be very tough to beat. Joey's going to be very tough to beat. And Ross, you just don't know. Ross is one of those guys that you just don't know what he's going to do. He's going to do something wild to make it happen. But Oh, yeah. 100%. I, uh, I think Christopher's got a lot of confidence, like you mentioned earlier. And I I hope, I really hope he pulls it off because that would be super, super cool to see Christopher Bell become a Cup Series champion. That'd be – he – man, I really wish uh, – he's one of those guys that I wish drove a Chevrolet. I know that sounds stupid. But I want to just run on that train so bad, but he drives for the wrong freaking team. Like, it's so hard for me to get behind. Like, it's the only reason I don't have Kyle Busch stuff, just being honest with people. Like, whenever Jeff retired, I started digging because he quit with all the whiny, crazy stuff, like the 2015, 2016, when he broke his legs and everything. I was ready to become a Kyle Busch fan, just being honest. But – he drove the wrong right. manufacturer. I'm a Chevrolet guy. I do not like the other stuff that much. So uh, Christopher Bell's kind of the same way. I love the way he drives. I love the, you know, just everything about it. It's just a good race car driver. He's a good kid, good race car driver. And it's hard for me to root for him because I'm like, damn it, you drive for Joe Gibbs. Like, come on, go to a different <laughs> team or something. I don't know. But, um, my pick was, is going to be Chase. Just he's been kind of sleeping the uh, entire playoffs, and I just think they hit hit on all cylinders. It all comes together, and they get championship number two. I could see it. Like I said, they're all four of them going to be very, very tough. Yeah, it, but I'm kind of biased to my dirt guys. So yeah, <laughs> just like I'm a big Hendrick fan too. So. I got to go with Chase. I, I want him to win. I think he, he, all their stat. What's crazy is that I saw a stat um, sheet earlier for all four of those guys, and they all have similar stats this year. Like Chase was the yeah. regular season champion, uh, did very, very well for the first 26 races, and had a, he's had a weird run in the playoffs. Like he's made it to the final four, but they have not had the runs to show you that he deserves to be there no. in a way, but I know the speed is there. And especially at Phoenix, I feel like that's a track where it takes similar road courses. It takes finesse. It takes guys that are easy on the throttle and stuff. 
to do well at that track. So that's that's my guy. But any four of those guys could win. Like we're just pulling picks out of our butts. Any four of those guys could just walk off and win that race just because they all have the talent. They're all very similar on the stat sheet too, as far as average finish, average like total laps led, top five, top tens, stuff like that. Chase hasn't beaten the win column, but that's it. Like everything else is pretty much even. So who knows? Yeah, and the main reason I picked a different winner for the race compared to the winner of the race and the championship together is just because this next gen car you just don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, I it could very well be somebody not in the final four that wins this race. It just that's how it's been all year. Yeah, like we don't have a clue. It could wind up being some somebody we haven't heard of for most of the season wins the race who knows with this next gen car you can literally pull a name out of the hat and they've got a shot like michael mcdowell Mm -hmm. of all people has been and i'm not knocking him at all he just doesn't have the same equipment some of these other guys do he's he's had more top 10 finishes this year than i think in the majority of his career like and he's been racing for a little while that just shows you the parody that's actually there with this car and how well it actually runs so for all we know, Eric Jones could win the race, and then I don't know Ross somehow wins the championship. But like, take your pick; it, they're all going to wind up doing well. I mean, look at Chase Briscoe. Yeah, he pulled it off in the spring. He could very well win again. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you just don't know. He's fast there for whatever reason. He's and it's not just his car; he's just fast at that racetrack. Like he's just got the yeah. he's just got it figured out. Knows what he needs. That is a fact. Oh yeah. But, man, it's going to be a fun weekend, that's for sure. It's going to be three yeah. crazy races. And that's what this playoff has produced, especially the past, like, four or five years. It's just mm-hmm. now that they're comfortable just, you know, beating the crap out of each other to try to win, like, it's who it still holds barred. Like, anybody could win this weekend. So, could be that fourth round fourth guy in the truck series that we forgot to name that winds up winning for all we know right well and even like the cup series race last year if larson wouldn't have had that money stop yeah at the end there's a very good possibility he wouldn't have won that championship oh yeah we're talking about truex winning his second championship if that money stop doesn't happen right i mean i think everybody in the world would have been disappointed if he didn't if larson didn't win it after completely dominating everything yeah but that that's kind of, I don't know. I'm indifferent about the playoff. I think it produces good racing, but we could have a whole nother two hour long conversation about that just because I'm all these years later and I'm still not sold on it. Like I still have my old fashioned values and the way that I like racing to be. And I just like the old, I like the Winston point system the best. I'm just going to say it. That's my favorite point system. And I think it produced the most loyal fan base that they had. When they changed it, stuff started to go downhill, and I I don't know for whatever reason it worked. I, I there's no rhyme or reason for it. We could talk about it for two hours. It was just the best point system they had. I like this. It produces fun racing, but it does it makes it entertaining. But that's just the route that all sports is going now. Yeah, with these TV deals and everything, it's got to be entertaining. So yeah, I mean they're they're doing very well in that category but it's 
it's tough when you got an older fan base it's tough to win them over with this new system for sure oh 100 and then it's also just i don't know sometimes i feel like the guy that wins the championship in some of the seasons that have happened is not the guy at all that deserves it and i that sounds bad and i know that if they win the race they obviously deserve what they get but i like the marathon style championship what you do in march affects what happens in november i i love that and like honestly chase elliott should be the champion because he's won the most races this year yeah. and he's been the most he's he was, he was the regular season points champion and yep like i just i don't know i have a hard time just like aj getting knocked out there's no reason aj shouldn't be in the final four for the um xfinity right. series race that is definitely the part of the playoffs that I don't like. There's guys that are very that obviously they they earn their right to be in that final four all throughout the season and then you just have one bad race at Martinsville and right. it's game over. Yeah, you have like a you had in AJ's case you have an amazing phenomenal season, very comparable if not better to Noah's and then all of a sudden you ain't in it. Like I don't know. There's just, there's part, I, I mean, I'm like I said, I'm just indifferent about it, but it's going to be a really fun weekend. If you guys, oh yeah, like if you want to tune in, most of the races are going to be, the truck race is going to be on FS1 on Friday night. Xfinity is going to be Saturday on NBC. And then Cup is going to be Sunday late afternoon on NBC before the football game, before the Sunday night football game. So it'll be, yep. it'll be a, amazing set of races and phoenix always produces real hard good racing so it'll be fun yeah it's gonna be uh it's gonna be exciting to say the least so there's gonna be (laughs) who knows there might be some more austin hill punches thrown this weekend i don't know yeah i can 100 see that happening the way that this uh this has been a crazy year for all three series with fights and just people not getting along so who knows Especially if somebody in the 54 knocks somebody out of the way to win, like there's going to be a brawl. <laughs> it's going to be, it's not going to be good. <laughs> no, but I'm looking forward to it. Going to be, going to be cool, but I'm ready. I'm actually anxious for the off season just because I'm ready to see what, uh, what next year is going to bring, especially for this next gen car. So, oh yeah, hundred percent. Get through Phoenix, see what happens yeah. and, and then we got our off season to figure out what we're going to talk about on here. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll bring value in some facet. Don't worry about it. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, all right, man. Well, if you're good, um, start closing out. We're at time. So, yep, I'm good, man. That was we covered a lot on this one. So. Facts. So, what's your uh, before we go? What's your Instagram handle so people can follow you? My Instagram is at underscore Tanner Allen underscore. You can actually search race car driver. My name will pop up. Uh, I did that. That way it's easier for people to find me. Um, And then you can also follow me on Facebook at Tanner Allen Racing. And those are my two most active accounts. So follow me there and uh, also follow us at First Gear Podcast on everything. Hell yeah. So if you want to follow me, I'm the captain of cars on TikTok, Instagram, you know, name your social media handle and that's where I'm at. Other than that, like Tanner said, you'll follow us at First Gear Podcast on the rest of it, and we'll catch you all next week. Have a good one, guys. Yep. Thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you later.